I've been studying uh, Revelation 4 and 5 for a while. They gave me an early heads up that I get to be the one to teach on this, and I was very, very excited. Uh, since the start of that, I've been trying to do a little examination. Sam was, was uh, reminding me of the importance of that. and I would have to say I've gotten a little maybe spiritually flabby over the summer. You know, how the, the muscle maybe is atrophied a little and a little bit of extra other stuff has kind of come in for maybe a little uh, lack of activity on the spiritual front. Um, I've been maintaining, but you ever know where you're just kind of maintaining spiritually, not really driving forward and growing like crazy like we should be. And so I think this came as a real good wake-up call, a real good wake-up call, uh, an important reminder that busyness is always going to be there, but our worship to Almighty God has to be front and center with every part of life. So uh, in that in that way of thinking, in that uh, line, I was really convicted as I learned about true worship. So Revelation 4 and 5 is one of those really neat opportunities to actually see heaven opened, uh, quite literally, and actually see a picture of what it's going to be like for eternity. And the whole point of seeing the picture of what it's going to be like for eternity is what? What do you think? Yeah. Get into practice now. Start living eternity out right now. Uh, that's the, one of the unbelievable benefits of knowing Christ and knowing that He uh, has conquered sin and death, knowing the end result. The end result is that God has won the victory it's done, and we'll have eternity to celebrate that. And any time we can get a picture of what's going to happen for eternity, it's so wise for us to grab onto that and say, hey, let's get that going now. Let's get that going now. So I'm very enthused to talk to you about Revelation 4 and 5, but particularly uh, heavy on my heart is that we really need to seek God. We really need the Spirit of God to work in our hearts today to make some changes certainly in my life, and I trust in yours. And so that means us uh, submitting ourselves to Him, being willing to say, have your will, God. Teach me. It's not about me, it's about you. So let's pray to that end and then dig into the verses together. Father, we're thankful that You're so patient with us, that You're so loving to us. Lord, You know how easily distracted we are. You know how um, easily... Uh, slowed we can become in our, our relationship with You, and, and I'm sorry for that. We pray, Lord, that You would teach us this morning how to be true worshipers, teach us how to uh, put self aside, to die to self, to daily take up that cross and follow Your Son the way we, we uh, said we would. Father, we pray that You touch our hearts, convict us where improvement needs to be made, encourage us, and uh, just really... Um, Drive us forward, Lord, to richer and deeper, more abundant joy through knowing and honoring You. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read Revelation 4 together. It's only about 11 verses or so. We're going to take it in two kind of sections, 4 and then 5. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. 
And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald and circled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third had a face like a man, and the fourth was a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and were covered with eyes all around and under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to Him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For You created all things, and by Your will they were created and have their being. Right at the very, very beginning. Why did I say this is a window into heaven? Very literally. Come up here. The Spirit of God gave John, the Apostle John, a glimpse of what was going to come. Literally, the, the doors of open were opened, so to speak, and he saw a picture of worship. And we would be crazy, absolutely crazy, not to take this opportunity to say, if that's what is right and good and God's design for eternity, those of us who know Christ now have a chance to experience that. Picture that scene, if you could. Picture that scene with the Lord God Almighty sitting in front of you on a throne. If you want another picture, look at Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6 is another powerful picture of who God is. Picture Him on the throne. What else really matters at that point when you are looking at the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? And i got to imagine when we get there, Everything else fades away, right? I think there's a reason why Scripture talks about every tear being wiped away. Because when we see the King, that's our focus. That's our opportunity. And every teaching on the subject that I've heard and studied says that part of the glory of heaven is being unhindered in our worship of Almighty God. You were designed, I was designed for one purpose, to glorify Almighty God. That's how you're shaped. That's how you're bent. That's what you're put together for. And the only reason that doesn't happen is because of sin and all the rest that's clouded things. So when you view this picture of heaven, understand that this is what you were made for. This is what you'll finally be free to soar like an eagle soars, so to speak. You've heard the example that, a, that an eagle is happiest when it's soaring above, not waddling around on the ground. That's how you are. When you get to heaven, if you know Christ is your Savior, and you're face to face with Almighty God, you will worship Him, you will praise Him with your whole heart, unhindered by all the garbage that gets in the way. That's the reality. 
Be joyful about that. Get pumped up about that. The other reality is pretty great. That you have the Holy Spirit of God in you right now. And you and we as a church family, we have an opportunity to live this out every day. And so today we're going to take a look at these verses. A, for encouragement. Remember, who was Revelation written to? In many ways, a suffering, persecuted group of Christians. They needed some encouragement. John himself was was basically a prisoner on an island. He needed some encouragement. Well, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Eternity is bright and unhindered in worshiping God. So let's break down a a couple of points of it. Before that, I want to give you just a quick heads up of kind of what we're going to be looking at. First of all, we'll make some observations about the future. And I say it that way because don't forget, this is reality. This is what will happen. We'll have some lessons on worship. We won't be able to cover them all. If we're going to cover them all, uh, we'd be here all day, not just till 1.30. Right, Anita? Anita always harasses me about going long, so today we're going to end right on time, just to let you know. Finally, there's going to be some applications here. There's an opportunity for blessing and for abundant joy through obedience. It involves change. It involves me changing my mindset. But with that change comes abundant joy. Abundant joy. So let's start with the observations. Again, these chapters have tons of information. And Ethan, I think someone sent me a message. He said, now remember KT, this is a survey of chapter 4 and 5. You don't have to go into every single detail. He's saying end on time too, so we will. But we can't go over every single detail and point. But if we were going to, man, there's hundreds of little details here uh, for us to grab onto. So let's just touch on a couple of them. Uh, First of all, chapter 4 is all about worship of the Creator. Chapter 5 is going to be worship of the Redeemer. And most believe that that this chapter 4 is worship centered on God's uh, creation and His power and His authority. And you can see that early on. First of all, He's the centerpiece. He is the centerpiece. There's a throne and God is high and lifted up. He's described uh, with some precious jewels. Notice that these precious jewels were actually in the high priest's outfit, uniform, in the early uh, Old Testament. And that brings up another kind of reminder that we've been given all kinds of pictures throughout the entire Old Testament and even into the New of what heaven holds for us. So you've got this beautiful picture. Around the throne is what? Are you looking on there? What do you see there? Around the throne is what? Yep, they're there. And there's something else too, a rainbow. A rainbow is there. And this was kind of cool. The commentators I was uh, reading was saying this was a very kind detail of Almighty God. What's this scene all about? Who is this all about? Who's this scene all about? Who's the centerpiece of this scene? God, right? It's all about Him. Then why this rainbow? Well, a lot of commentators believe that God, once again, in His grace, in His mercy, had a symbol, a reminder to us. This is all about Him. But most believe that He took the time to give us a reminder. 
What did the rainbow remind Noah of? And what's it to remind us of? God's faithfulness, right? His promises, His mercy. Even when God is the centerpiece, He loves us enough to give a reminder to us, something to benefit us, to help us in our worship of Him. And so there's a rainbow around the throne. And take that rainbow as a reminder of God's provision, His promise, His reassurance, His mercy. His mercy. And so you've got this awesome picture of Almighty God on the throne. Benji's right, there's 24 other thrones around. And these thrones are mentioned in Daniel, but there's a key difference. In Daniel, they're empty. In Daniel, they're empty. Now, there's people in them. And I say people because we don't think these are angels. Angels are not typically numbered. Angels are not typically described in this way. We believe these are actual um, men and women that have gone ahead. And they have some outfits on. And these outfits are very important. And they should really challenge us. What are they wearing? What do you see there? Two things. White robes and... Well done, Jake. White robes and crowns. These are winners' outfits. These are victors' dress. These are 24 people that have fought the good fight and what place have they come in? They're winners. They're victors. And the white robes oftentimes are given for purity and honor. Maybe there was martyrdom involved for these 24 but the crown, what was the crown all about? This was the victor's crown given for the Olympic champions. This was the, the ones who overcame any hardship, any resistance, anything that got in their way, and they won the victory. And this is huge because the 24 individuals that frankly got to be closest to God Almighty were the ones that pursued and persevered and persevered and were victorious. And there's a huge application for you and for me in this. We'll get to it. But I think you can picture it. How many Scriptures say, keep pressing on? How many Scriptures say, uh, strive ahead? What did Paul say? I run the good race or I fight the good fight. I finish the race. There's great reward and blessing waiting. And these 24 people, um, 24 individuals are enjoying that blessing, seated around the throne, worshiping God. Let's skip ahead. There's a display of power. What was the display of power coming from the throne? What do you see there? Lightning, thunder. Anyone woken up the other night with the storm? Picture that in your bedroom, right? Lightning and thunder coming from the throne. This is no one to mess around with. This is the king of all creation. And there's symbols of power and authority. There's four other creatures. Most believe that these are, are angels. They have some traits that would think cherubim, others seraphim. Bottom line is they are mighty individuals given the task of honoring and worshiping God. And there was some symbolism. They had eyes all around. This is a reminder of God's incredible wisdom. His incredible wisdom, His omniscience. He knows it all. He sees it all. And it's a picture of that. There's other symbolism 
uh, that we won't go into. But they have a speech. They have a speech. And it's a speech we heard before. It's the same speech we heard in Isaiah 6. What's the speech? What's their role? Cry out day and night. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And don't miss the reality that you see attributes of God Himself. Take this. This is going to be one of our lessons of worship. And I'm going to hint at it. I'm going to give it to you right now. One of the lessons of worship is that worship is always God-centered. Worship is always God-centered. And when these individuals are crying out day and night, what are they singing about? They're singing about God and who He is. And you can see attributes of Almighty God reflected here. Start at the back of the statement and work to the front where the emphasis really is. God is almighty. He is all-powerful. Someone was reading Psalm 8. I think it was Eric that last week. He was reading Psalm 8. God, when I look at the heavens, the moon and the stars that you've made, the work of your fingertips, what, are man, what is man that you're mindful of him? The almighty Creator is lifted up and worshipped for how powerful He is. He's the Lord. We got to celebrate that this morning. He's the Lord, the authoritative One, the highest of high. And then, as some have described, His controlling attribute. Where's the emphasis? The holy, holy, holiness of Almighty God. He is completely separate from anything impure, from anything inferior, from any kind of sin. He is holy unblemished, completely pure. This is an awesome, awesome God. And I'm convinced that I lose sight of who He is way too easily. Way too easily. So let this window into heaven remind you of who we're really serving here. Almighty God. I love verse 9. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to Him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. Don't lose sight of the reality that we are still nothing compared to the awesome majesty of Almighty God. Do you remember Isaiah 6? When Isaiah got a little glimpse into a picture similar to this, what happened to him? He fell at his face. He fell on his face as though dead. He was scared to death. This is Almighty God. This is the same God that we are allowed to worship on a daily basis. But I lose sight of that. And finally, verse 11, You are worthy, our God, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. By your will they were created and have their being. Don't miss the importance of this verse. Why are you here? Why am I here? To honor and glorify Almighty God. I was created for His will. To lift His name high. And don't forget that He is the Master. And not only was I created to honor Him, but I exist to bring Him worship. I exist to bring Him praise. That's why they were created 
and have their being. Don't miss the importance of and have their being. Who gives you every single breath? You know how frail life is. You know how faint life can be. I mean, like that, we can be gone. It can be done. The light can be snuffed out. You have breath. You have life. Because God gives you that breath. He gives you that life. Don't miss an opportunity to honor Him with every breath, with that life. So some observations. Let's take some lessons on worship if we could. First of all, God-centered. And we said that. I want to reinforce it. My father-in-law and I were talking yesterday and we were just talking about how important it is for everything we do, whether it's our lives or our church family or everything, to stay God-centered. And it's just so easy and subtle for our eyes to slip off of God and get back onto the temporal things. And usually there's one main resistance to staying God-centered. There are several resistance points. There are several things that give resistance, but there's one main one. And what is that? That's me. That's me. Let's be very real this morning. There's all kinds of hindrances to worshiping God, but the number one hindrance is me. I'm prideful, I'm selfish, and I choose to seek to honor KT instead of seeking to honor the one I'm created to honor. And maybe you can relate to that. And if we're going to be true worshipers, we've got to keep our eyes focused on things above, as Colossians 1 says. Daily, maybe hourly, ideally every minute, we need to refocus, readjust. Again, Sam was sharing with me the importance of uh, examining ourselves before the breaking of bread, as 1 Corinthians says. We need that. We need that constant check, that constant realization that I got, I'm distracted, refocus on Almighty God. So first lesson in worship is realize it's about Him. It is God-centered. And any of our singing, any of our actions, any of our words, they all need to be centered in who God is. God, because He is above all, is very serious about us accurately representing who He is. And so every single word that I use for worship has to be an accurate representation. But there's another really hardcore lesson on worship. Every action needs to be God-centered. Every action needs to be an accurate representation of who God is. Whose image are you made in? Almighty God's. If you know Christ is your Savior, do you live anymore? As the Scripture says, it is no longer I who live, but who? Christ lives in me. Every action is tied to represent Christ, Almighty God. And I have the responsibility for not just my actions on Sunday, not even throwing Wednesday evenings in, and if I'm really spiritual, a Bible study some other time, but 24-7, I have a responsibility to worship God, to truly represent who He is through my actions. How I treat my employer and my colleagues at work represents who God is. My work ethic, my effort level, 
represents who God is. Am I giving a false representation of who He is? Am I giving a true representation of who He is? That's worship, isn't it? Ethan has been telling us time and time again, worship is 24-7. Worship is 24-7. And in heaven, that's the picture we're given. It's all about God. And it's got to be that way here too. So if we're going to be true worshipers, like the book of John says, that the Father desires true worshipers in John 4, we're going to be the individuals who truly represent Christ. And when we fall from that, that's one of the reasons we need each other to point that out in each other's lives and then to quickly repent and turn back to where I can be truly representing who God is. More to come on that, but just wanted to point that out. Um, A, because I need a reminder on that. Maybe you do too. A couple other observations. A couple other observations. Worship is wholehearted. Take a look at these elders. Verse 9, Whenever the living creatures give honor and glory, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him. They cast their crowns at His feet. They're zealous. They're zealous about worship. They're fully engaged in worshiping God. Is there any half-hearted activity that you observe here? I don't see it. Worship is a 24 zealous exclamation of how awesome God is. And if I lose energy or lose effort or lose focus on that, then I'm not fulfilling my role to worship God. We live in an apathetic society. Apathy is cool. Laziness rules. And we can't be a part of that. True worship is hard 24-7 work where we're fully engaged, we're zealous for honoring God with our actions, words, and song, and all the rest. So another observation, A, worship is completely God-centered. And any time it slips a little bit, from being God-centered, it's no longer worship. Worship is zealous and wholehearted and worship is 24-7. There's no part of life that's isolated from needing to honor God or worship God. I was really challenged by these things because there's some changes that need to happen in my heart and life and we need to make those changes together. Chapter 5, take a look at that if you could and then we'll wrap it up here with some, some applications. Chapter 5 is another God-centered worship, but it's now centered on the Redeemer, the Lamb. Take a look, verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of Him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who's worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Don't weep. See, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has triumphed. He's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if he had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. 
And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. The worship takes is ramped up again. We start with honoring and worshipping the Creator. And then it comes to the Lamb. The Lamb that makes it possible for you and for me to sit and stand here and have a shot at worshiping God. The only way we have a shot at worshiping holy, holy, holy God is because of this Lamb. And you know that. I know that. But the reality is, is that Almighty God shedding His own blood on the cross as a man, paying for your sin and for my sin, is our access. That is our opportunity. And I guess one of the things I was really challenged with from chapter 5 is that every time I get selfish, every time my words or my actions or my thoughts or my emotions don't truly represent God, I'm really dishonoring the sacrifice that Christ made. I'm really saying all the work that you, the Lamb of God, went through to make it possible to me, for me to be a true worshiper, if I choose to disregard that, man, that's got serious repercussions. This is the greatest act of love and redemption of all time. I've got to hold that up. I've got to honor that. I've got to be consistent in how I give glory not only to the Creator but to the Lamb. So I was hit by that. I was hit pretty hard by that. A couple other observations. A couple other observations. This is, this is a target point. Look forward to this day when you'll worship God with everything that you have. When every creature on earth, in heaven, under the sea, in the sea, all of creation cries out in worship to Almighty God. And I guess the picture I got was, um, was how we prepare for a certain event coming up. Um, Christy and I got real motivated to get in shape before a trip we were going on or before a wedding that we are going to be in or before a, a certain day that's coming down, the, the family pictures that are coming up in a month and a half. And suddenly we've got renewed energy and motivation to work towards a goal of maybe getting in shape or, or losing a couple pounds, etc., etc. Think about it. When we have a, a, a point that we're looking forward to, shooting for, 
It adds motivation, doesn't it? We'll look forward to the day where all creation will honor and worship God. And don't lose sight of the individuals who had the most to honor in worship, the most who had to offer in worship. From what we've seen, in your opinion, who had the most to offer Almighty God in worship? Well, we know that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? Robbie shared that from Philippians 2.11. So the words that will be expressed will be everyone. But think about those 24 elders again. What did those 24 elders have to offer in worship? Remember? What's that? Their crowns, right? And what was the crown all about? The crown was the symbol that they had overcome. I feel like I'm getting a glimpse of something that's very significant here. I am sick and tired of life being so stinking tough to live for God. Can you feel me on that? Maybe it's supposed to be tough. Maybe the hard day-to-day grind is an opportunity to show faithfulness and loyalty to worshiping God so that when I get to heaven, when you get to heaven, and we're standing side by side, we not only will proclaim worship with our tongues, with our knees bowed like everyone in on heaven, earth, and everywhere will, but that we have a crown to offer back. A crown of overcoming. I promise you, brothers and sisters, we will want to worship God with everything we can at that point. We're selfish now, but at that point, the scales will be brought off the eyes. We will see Him. And we will want to give Him more and more and more. Don't be empty-handed. Don't come up short. We'll all worship. We'll all give praise. But let's have the victor's crown to throw back at His feet. Let's have that little something extra that says, you know what? I'm not just doing this because every knee has to do it. Every tongue has to do it. I'm doing this because I love you. And I worked my tail off. I pursued you through the hard, through the distractions, through the constant tug of my own emotions to be selfish. I sought you above all else and I am so thrilled to offer this symbol of that overcome, uh, overcoming victory back to you, O oh God, because it was all you anyway. Let's not miss this opportunity. There's been several things that I've targeted. I want to have this accomplished by this point. And when I don't buckle down and get it done, that time comes and goes. And I regret. I regret not buckling down and getting it done. The ultimate regret, the ultimate missed opportunity will be when Revelation 4 and 5 comes true. Comes to the time where it's carried out, I should better say. And I'm standing before the throne and I'm giving worship but if I don't have that symbol of victory to give additional worship back to God. It's worth pushing for. It's worth it. We have to be faithful to overcome. And again, the number one thing to overcome is my own selfishness. Think about this week. Were there times that you were snippy with someone you love? 
Were there times where you're a little bit lazy to give your all? Were there times where the representation that you gave to everyone around you wasn't real purely centered on Christ, but instead more centered on my own selfishness? I'm ashamed to tell you that there were times this week and I I have to confess those and that has to be the last of that because there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity to honor God, to worship Him and we can't miss that chance. So a few quick applications for eternal blessing and joy. John 15 makes it very clear that this picture of heaven is awesome. And it's an opportunity for blessing and joy there. But John 15 also tells us that that struggle to be true worshipers of God now, that struggle for us to live out Revelation 4 and 5 daily, what does that bring? Jesus said, I have come that they may have joy, life, and that they may have it abundantly. Abundantly. Some of my buddies and I were talking Wednesday morning bright and early about how hard it is to get psyched up. But Aaron mentioned that that he's convinced and all of us agreed that we're convinced that the more we can be centered on eternity, centered on who God is, the more peace and joy will come. Will it be easy? No way. Maybe probably harder, but more joyful, more abundant. So when we talk about these applications, don't think that the only eternal blessing and reward and joy is in heaven, but it comes now as well. So a few applications. First of all, it's time. It is time to get serious. We don't know how many more hours, days, weeks that we have left to earn that victor's crown so that we have something extra to offer to the the Creator. It's time. And the number one thing we have to realize is what these creatures in heaven understood all too well. It is not about me. It is not about me. It's about a life lived for God. And we've got to stop fooling ourselves. We've got to stop with the facade. We've got to stop with putting up appearances. And we have to pursue God. We have to put God first. We have to seek Him. And let me be real distasteful but very true. That starts by pursuing a relationship with Him daily. I'm told that the... um, the key to a lot of athletic success is downright fundamentals. Just hardcore fundamentals. The straightforward disciplines lead to the success of a great athlete. Well, the down-home disciplines for us is truly seeking after God on a daily basis. And I don't know how we do that. I don't know how we get to know God better if we're not seeking His mind through His Word every day. If you want the hardcore truth of it, true worshipers need to start by a genuine, not legalistic, but a genuine seeking to know God better every single day. And there's no magic formula. There's no magic way. You have to discover how God would have you do that. 
But the bottom line is that if I'm not spending each day seeking to know Him more, that that spiritual lethargy that I told you about over the summer, the just kind of maintaining instead of driving forward, we've got to be done with that. That's missed opportunity. Let's strive forward to realize it's not about me. Let's get serious. Let's earn that victor's crown. B, there's another observation I made. Worship is 24-7. But the picture of how worship will be is a corporate picture. All creation is gathered to worship God. And we've been given a pretty amazing opportunity, even on earth, to gather as a church family. God did not design the local church because it was convenient for Him or for anyone. He designed it so that we would band together in a picture of how it will be for eternity, but for support, for help, for combined strength, for driving forward. And I think Lev laid out for us in very few uncertain terms last Sunday that our participation and our buy-in to this family will directly reflect our ability to give worship and glory to God. We've got to remember we need each other. We need each other. We can't do it alone. Not to the degree of earning that victor's crown, that's for sure. And finally, we need zeal. The days of apathy, lethargy have to be over. We have to turn from that and be zealous. I like even, what was the Apostle John's response? What was his response when at first he thought that no one was going to be worthy to open the scroll? Remember it? He wept and wept. Girly man. No. Zeal. He was fully invested. His emotions, his heart, his soul, his mind, they were bought in to what was happening here. I wish you guys could have been in uh, Madison with uh, Aaron and Jason and Jason's brother. Uh, we learned a huge lesson uh, Louis Giglio was teaching. And it was powerful. And he was teaching about how all creation is worshiping God. And you know him. Guess what he brought out way out in the galaxy? Stars, of course, right? And then he brought up all these other points of creation. That creation is worshiping God with their whole hearts. There's one creature that has a choice to worship God was his point, and that's us. And too often, we give our ambition and heart and zeal to everything except fully worshiping God. And he challenged that we would be zealous worshipers. John was zealous. Although he'd be ridiculed for being a girly man, he was weeping because of zeal, of buy-in. He was fully invested. We have opportunities, not only daily, but every week, oftentimes a couple times a week, to come together and to worship with zeal. And Louis Giglio showed all these different pictures from all over the world, of all these opportunities that people had to celebrate. One of them was a soccer match somewhere. And there was a victory. And everyone now, this is going to be audience participation. You don't have to do the sound necessarily. But what was the picture like? If I was snapping the picture of what they saw, 
What do you think those people look like at the moment? That's right. We got one. Yeah, right? That was weak, by the way. We got about three people. Thank you. That's the reality. When we get pumped up, when Ethan gets excited, wet pits and all, right? Yeah! And his challenge was, where's that zeal when we come to worship? Empty emotion and zeal is phoniness. But if our hearts are centered on Almighty God, if we've examined ourselves and we come ready to worship, then there is nothing wrong. In fact, there's something right about zealous buy-in and worship. More to say on that. Again, zealous people, um, he's maybe not the best example of character. You can debate that, but Michael Phelps, is that his name, Chris? Is that right? That dude's a machine. When he was training, he was training nonstop, what they say, seven hours of swimming? And he would eat, what, four or five thousand calories? What's that? Yeah. He had to eat, eat, eat until he was so stuffed so that he could have enough energy. He took that training so seriously. It dominated his life. Well, in the end, he has the victor's crown and the gold medal, right? Get that zeal. Get a hold of that zeal. Get a hold of that passion. And realize that every part of your life needs to be focused and zealous for worshiping and living for God. Can you imagine if the Christians around the world would get a hold of that zeal and would wholeheartedly seek to be true worshipers? Would people take notice? Would lives be changed? Would people hunger? for that authenticity and for that relationship with God? Absolutely. We've got an opportunity. Let's take advantage of that. There's a a reason why the the, uh, praise and worship team was willing to wait to the end. We need to to use these last couple songs even to uh, maybe quietly, maybe zealously, however you're led to participate, but we need to examine our hearts And we need to truly worship God. And maybe in part of that examination, maybe we need to make a commitment. A commitment to Almighty God that we will pursue true worship throughout each part of life. When I fall on that, I'll need you right there to remind me. And we'll be quick to repent and keep pursuing. Because the day is coming. The day is coming where true worship will start and continue through eternity. So Jess and the crew are going to come opportunity to sing a couple more songs in worship, but uh, let's uh, commit to the Lord. Father, again, so gracious of you to give us a picture of reality, a picture of eternity. We'd be fools not to grab onto this opportunity. And I pray that I would stop getting in the way, that I would realize it is not about me, that instead, Lord, we would seek you wholeheartedly. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.